Hey, it's Mindy. I wanted to let you know that my Heart Path Retreat is coming up and you are not going to want to miss it, especially since this year you can attend from the comfort of your own home. This is the 2020 special, right? <laughs> this is actually going to be the 10th Heart Path, but the first time ever that we are doing a live virtual experience. Learn more at heartpathretreats.com. Get registered today and you will get more clarity, more courage, and more conviction by learning how to get out of your head and into your heart. I cannot wait to see you there. Heartpathretreats.com. All right, all right, let's get to the show. Join me on my journey as I explore wealth in all areas of life. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucrative Society. Hello, my friends. I hope that those of you who were celebrating Halloween last night had a safe and very fun time as we enter into the holiday season. And to those of you that were celebrating Samhain, many blessings, so lots of good things in store, even amidst the chaos in our world right now. I wanted to share with you some of the books that I read last month talk a little bit about those, but I also wanted to answer a question because I let my email subscribers know that this upcoming Heart Path Retreat is going to be the last one that I do, at least in the way that I have been doing it. And a lot of people were like, well, why? (laughs) You've been doing this so long. And the people that have been to Heart Path were like, but it's such a great event. You know, why did you make this decision? So I'd love to share that with you. Mostly so you can think about your own business, your own ventures, and see how this decision that I made may have relevance to you going forward. Part of the motivation for this decision is my friend Joe Polish, who you heard from last week on this show. He has an acronym called ELF, which stands for Easy, Lucrative, and Fun. He says you should always have an ELF business. And over the course of this year, one of the things that I have done is hired lots of coaches. I've invested in programs and courses throughout this year because what I believe to be true is that if the circumstances that we are seeing on the outside, that is our current reality, if that's not exactly what we like or what we are wanting, the main part of the work that we need to do is internal. And yes, there might be some external strategy or tactics or whatever, of course, but by far the majority of it is an inside job. So I've really dug into doing the work this year, uh, and that's everything from business coaching to personal coaching to spiritual development stuff. I mean, all across the board. I don't think you can leave any aspect of life untouched or unexcavated. All these different things. And one of the main points that keeps coming up for me from all of these different influences has been focus. The idea of, you know what, you probably don't need 13,000 different programs. (laughs) Because when you have 13,000 different programs that you are attempting to run, even if they're not all simultaneous, that is still splaying out your energy for marketing, for strategy, for sales, for whatever else. 
And how powerful can that be if it's splayed out in all different directions? Really, what would be better is if you bring it in, limit the number of programs or courses or whatever it is that you're doing, and really focus in, really develop those one or maybe couple different things. So I've been looking across the board at all of the different things that we have offered over the years at Lucra, and there are (laughs) a lot of different things. A lot of you have been to a lot of different of our events, uh, gone through different programs, had different topics. I mean, there's so many different things. So I was thinking about Joe and his concept of ELF, easy, lucrative, fun. And I was putting my programs through that concept and saying, you know, which ones are ELF and which ones are not. And with HeartPath, even though it has just been a fantastic experience over the years, it wasn't easy. It definitely did not have that E factor. It wasn't easy because probably I was more interested in marketing some other things. So it wasn't always easy to get butts in seats, as they say. And it's also not lucrative. HeartPath has always been a very small event, and I kept it small on purpose because I wanted the intimacy and comfort of a small group. So generally, when I hosted the live event, it was 20 people was sold out most of those years, at least for the recent years, it was always sold out, which was cool, but definitely wasn't lucrative with all the different costs of hosting a live event. So it's already got two strikes against it. It wasn't easy, wasn't lucrative. And then finally, fun. It absolutely was fun because my whole thing for creating HeartPath was, look, I would be doing these things anyway. I love hiking, so we go hiking at HeartPath. I am interested in personal development and spiritual growth and all of these things. Like that's what hard path is. So yes, it was fun, but that's only one out of the three requirements for an elf business or elf program. So I was thinking, all right, well, I've really just been holding on to this thing because it's not like it just has become not easy or just not lucrative. (laughs) It's been like that for a long time, but I loved it so much because of just the powerful experiences that people had. You know, people would come back year after year. There's a, I think a, a tie for the person who has been or the people who have been there the most. And I think that the highest is three different years people have come back But I got to let it go. I want to do other things. I want to focus in and make some of my other programs more more elf. That means that this upcoming Heart Path, which is happening virtually, of course, in two weeks, is going to be the last one. The only reason I say that is because I know that some of you have had it on your radar for a long time. I've been running this thing since 2011. So There are people I know that year after year, they're like, oh, I'd love to come, but you know, maybe next year, maybe next year. Okay, well, now's your time. (laughs) So let's, let's do it. Let's get in on it and uh, make it a great last experience. I know that it will be a powerful experience for you. If you're interested in learning more, check out heartpathretreats.com. All right, so now I want to switch gears here and talk about some books. Really, why I am bringing up books all the time is one, I love them. And two, it goes back to that kind of easy, lucrative, and fun. The whole point of creating my freedom coaching business is to be able to do the things that I want to do. One of those things is having time to read. I read every day. I make it a priority. 
and I enjoy it. If your business, and I, gosh, I meet so many of you who are inundated and overwhelmed in your own business, like you, you created that. <laughs> I want to just remind you that the whole reason that you probably started the business, I mean, maybe, maybe there are those of you that were like, nope, I'm just in it for the money. Okay, like, cool, go, go do that. But I, I, that doesn't work for me. I would rather be healthy, happy, and third on my priority list would be the money. But anyway, all that is to say is that I have three books to share with you that I read last month in October. The first of which is called The Power of Consistency. The reason that I chose this was consistency has been one of my downfalls. When I recently took the Gallup Strengths Finder test, I don't have any, <laughs> any of my top strengths in the execution field. Also, you know, I'm a quick start on the Colby. Like I like starting things, but the whole consistency bit, it's just not my thing. I get bored with it. I get, I want to do something different. I want to do something new. And I know that a lot of entrepreneurs have that same experience. Like that's why we got into business in the first place, because we were really fascinated by starting something or building something. And then we're kind of like, meh, all right, what's next? So this book, The Power of Consistency, is by a guy named Weldon Long. And I would say it was okay. I gave it three stars. On the positive side, it was a great reminder of some basics, like how the reticular activating system works and how mindset works. So always good reminders. Can't say anything negative about that. One of the things that I did enjoy, I'll actually play you this clip. This is him reading it. Whether your challenge is a slow economy, cheap competitors, no access to capital, worthless leads, unqualified customers, or a boss you'd like to meet in a dark alley, everyone has something or several things keeping him or her from wealth and prosperity. And if you are waiting for these obstacles to magically disappear so that you can be wealthy, you might as well get used to being broke. They're not about to pack up and move on to make your life easier. You'll have to find a way to succeed and prosper despite them. The only real question is whether you are going to let the obstacles put a boot in your ass or whether you are going to put a boot in theirs. As you probably can guess, I like a little sass, so I appreciated that, you know, putting a, a boot in the ass of the obstacles because, look, we're going to have obstacles. Talk to me about 2020. <laughs> Holy smokes. How are you going to respond? What are you going to do? The obstacles are going to come. How are you going to get through them? Or how are you going to react or respond to those things? I liked that. Another good reminder from this book is when he's talking about what you think versus the outside reality, the outside circumstances that you are experiencing. And he says, what you think isn't always consistent with the facts and objective reality. And because of this, reality is sometimes irrelevant. I liked that because both in my own life and in the lives of clients, it's very easy to say, oh, well, it's because of this, or <laughs> to have some reason or to have some excuse rather than have a result. You know, reality is or can be irrelevant. What is the reality that I want to create? 
Now, Weldon Long, he has a pretty interesting story. He was in prison uh, based on a, a long life of crime that he had had, and he really came to personal development and personal growth while he was there and decided, made the choice to turn his life around. And then when he got out, he was able to create a very successful business, even amongst all the challenges of, you know, having a, a crime record and not being able to get a job at first. He, he really utilized the power of his own mind to create that. And probably more importantly, even he was able to create, develop and maintain a relationship with his son. He talks about a lot of his mentors, one of which was Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of my issues with this book is that a lot of the book was either, oh, in Stephen Covey's book, he talks about this. And I'm like, look, if I wanted to read Stephen Covey, I just would read Stephen Covey. And he also makes reference to his own previous book. He's like, oh, in, in my last book, I talked about this. And I don't love it when authors do that. And I get it why they do it, because they're saying, hey, a lot of people may not have read that other thing. And oh, by the way, if it's my own book, here's a little marketing hint, like, hey, go buy my other book because I talk about this thing. But I kind of have the same sense of if I wanted to read that, I just would have read the other book. So overall, while the reminders were good, I didn't really resonate with him as much. It was just okay. I gave it three stars. Another book I read was called The Warrior Ethos by Stephen Pressfield. And the reason that I chose this one, first off, it's a super, super short book. But the reason that I chose it is that the members of the Lucrative Society recently had gone through Stephen Pressfield's other book, The War of Art, which I highly, highly recommend. I think everybody should read that. I've read it more than once now. That one is about overcoming resistance. Really, really good. But I read this Warrior Ethos because I was just on a Stephen Pressfield high and I was like, what else has he written that I haven't yet read? I've read a couple others, but I hadn't read this. So I checked it out and what I thought that it was going to be was not exactly what it was. I was thinking more along the warrior mindset, which of course any of us can experience. The warrior mindset to me is somebody that faces life's challenges head on. And that doesn't mean that they're not afraid or that there isn't any fear there, but they don't back down from those experiences. They don't shrink when those obstacles or when those challenges show up in their lives. They they stand in their own power and that power is internally generated, not something that they are seeking outside of themselves. So they have courage, they have confidence, they have honor. And like I said, any of us can create those things or create those experiences in and of ourselves so that we are sturdy and stable when life comes at us. And so while it was that to a degree, what it was more about was looking at actual warrior societies, which is interesting, and also the military, which I hadn't even really thought about it in that sense that, you know, this is like our modern day, at least in the U.S., warrior culture. And he looks a lot at, okay, what happens then when they come back as a civilian after being in a war experience? So anyway, all that is to say, like, the book was fine. I also gave this one three stars. I think that if you are interested in 
military or if you have been in military, it, it may have more relevance for you. I was kind of like, hmm, okay, I'm glad it was a short book. And that was that. So third and finally, this one is the one that I have been so excited for this episode to tell you about because it very well may be my favorite book ever, (laughs) ever, ever. Most of the time when I read a book, I finish it and then I'm like, cool, you know, that was great or it was not great, whatever. And then on to the next. This one, I couldn't even go on to another book because I was so moved by this book. So just almost overwhelmed. I mean, that sounds funny to say, but it's as if this book stayed with me. I didn't even start another book for days, which is weird in my world. And I get that there are plenty of people out there who did not like this book. I've read lots of reviews. Some people loved it. Some people absolutely hated it. They were like, this is awful. But for me, here are some of the reasons why I loved it so, so much. One, the writing is impeccable. The book is Circe by Madeline Miller. She's just a great writer. So there's that. That was really good. And then the story is the story from Greek mythology about Circe, who was known as a lesser goddess. That is, her father was the sun god Helios, and her mother was a nymph. So while she had uh, divine aspects, she wasn't like as powerful as the main gods and goddesses. And Circe grows up, and she is always seeking love, and she is attempting to be kind in her way to the different people that she meets. But she's always kind of brushed aside. You know, her siblings are cruel and make fun of her and really don't want anything to do with her. Her parents are like, oh, whatever. They didn't really care. So she's always been seeking and desiring connection and friendship and love. And the story goes through eons. I mean, since she is a divine being, she didn't die. So there's thousands upon thousands of years. She interacts with many of the characters from Greek mythology, probably most notably, she's talked about in the Odyssey when Odysseus comes to her island. She ends up being banished to an island, so she has to go live on this island of Aiaia by herself. And in that time, she really develops who she is. She learns about her own sense of power her own sense of autonomy, where it's like she doesn't need other people to make her who she is or, or to really have love in her life. She understands to a greater extent her unique talents and skills, and she puts in the effort to figure those things out in a variety of different ways. So she develops this skill of witchcraft or sorcery or casting spells And she really has a talent at that. And there's so many different things that happen. I won't spoil the book for you, but it's such an extraordinary story. This is probably my favorite quote in what may be my favorite book. She's talking about Daedalus. Daedalus was the father of Icarus. And if you're familiar with Greek mythology, Icarus was the one whose 
father made him the wings so that he could fly, and then he ended up flying too close to the sun. The wax of his wings melted, and he fell into the ocean and died. So Daedalus then has lost his son and is grieving, but prior to that had also developed this very mature and very beautiful relationship with Circe. And they only saw each other a handful of times, but it was like that that soul level connection. And this is what she says after Daedalus, who is a mortal, has passed away. Daedalus did not long outlive his son. His limbs turned gray and nerveless, and all his strength was transmuted into smoke. I had no right to claim him. I knew it. But in a solitary life, there are rare moments when another soul dips near yours as stars once a year brush the earth. Such a constellation was he to me. And I read that and I was like, oh, like heart wrenching because I felt like that that's how Sean was to me. Like such a constellation. It, you know, it's not even a long experience, but so impactful and so powerful. So I absolutely loved that. And I will say the narrator of this book was flawless. Perdita Weeks had such a great performance. It was amazing. And really the word (laughs) that I used, which is funny, I'm laughing at myself in this case, because I called this book swoon-worthy. And I am like not one to swoon about most things. Let's just be clear about that. But this book, I was just like, oh, like it just so, it was amazing to me. So that is all I will say about that. If you have read Circe, I would love your opinions on it. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Did you love it (laughs) as much as I did? Let me know in the comments underneath this podcast. That's at lucra.com slash TLS dash 40 or you can just go to lucra.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, click on podcasts, you'll find it there. I would love your feedback. I also always want to know, what are you reading? That's fantastic. I am always looking for great, great reads. As I've mentioned in past episodes, I'm like, I really don't have that much time for just meh. I want awesome, awesome books. So Cersei has my five-star rating. I absolutely loved it. Would recommend it to anybody who likes Greek mythology. And I don't even love Greek mythology. That was a thing. When I first picked it up, I was like, yeah, I'll check this out. But wasn't like I went to it because of that. But oh my gosh. And also I'd love if any men have read it because maybe I just resonated with it as a woman or as someone who does resonate with more of what she calls that solitary life. Maybe it's just because I'm like, I saw myself in that story. I don't know. So I would love your opinions on that. Next week, I have another great interview coming up for you. I'm looking forward to sharing that conversation. Until then, be safe. I wish you many blessings, especially in this coming week here in the U.S. as tensions very well may be at an all-time high. So stay safe, stay sane, as much as we possibly can (laughs) and I'll talk to you next week thanks so much for listening make sure to subscribe to the lucrative society on iTunes and please leave a review of the podcast 
Visit lucra.com for transcripts and resources, or to become a member of the Lucrative Society, where I coach purpose-based entrepreneurs on business, mindset, and heartset. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being.